Pleasant good morning. God is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. In this text, he would soon reveal himself to his chosen vessel. As we have discussed earlier and as we have read in earlier chapters, before they were even born, God chose Jacob instead of his elder twin brother, Esau. Now, here's what happened. After intercepting the blessing, masterminded by Rebekah, and carefully executed by her son Jacob, Esau felt bad, and he wanted to kill his brother Jacob. So Rebekah had to protect the son that she loved. So she talked to Isaac. Let's read verse 46 of chapter 27. Rebekah said to Isaac, I am tired of living because of the daughters of Heth. Wow, she must be really unhappy, right? I'm tired of living. Ever felt that way? I'm only speaking to mothers-in-law. <laughs> because of the daughters of Heth, if Jacob takes a wife from the daughters of Heth, like these, from the daughters of the land, what good will my life be to me? She was speaking a partial truth. Partial truth. She wasn't speaking the whole truth. She could not say to her husband that your other son wants to kill your other son. She could not. So she said a partial truth supporting our theory that she did scheme and it seems to be that they do not have a good relationship in terms of communication. They respected one another to a certain sense. But in, in some aspects of family life, somehow there was a communication barrier. She could not bring it up front to her husband that we have a family problem. There's division within the family to a point that one desires to kill the other. Perhaps she did not say that because she might be blamed, one. Or maybe she just knows her husband that he might not be able to take these kinds of, of messages, of truth. But you see, there's a problem there. But let me just interrupt myself for this moment. As we have said previously, we can learn family values here, but this text is about God fulfilling his promise to choose somebody to answer the problem. He chose Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. A nation would be born and grow, and God would take care of that nation have a relationship with that nation where Messiah would be born. And the Abrahamic promise and commission, you shall be a blessing to all the families of the earth, was mentioned to Abraham, to Isaac, and in this text to all, also to Jacob. That was God's intention. Remember, before that, in Genesis 11, he scattered the people because they were united to defy God and to do evil 
So God changed their languages. But still God wants to bless them. God wants to reach them out in His proper time. And that time would be when Messiah would come. That's the intention of Scripture, that God takes care of His people because He has a plan. And that plan is a good plan. God is a God of plan. God is a God of purpose. And He is a God of design. And God's plan here, maybe Isaac and Jacob did not see it yet. Maybe they, they can't see as far as Messiah would come, but they just trusted God that God has a plan. And I'd like to say to everyone here this morning that God has a plan for your life once, not only once, many times brothers and sisters would say to me, I don't know why God blesses me. I'm blessed. And I'm, I usually say I'm happy that you see you're blessed because indeed most of us are. In fact, all of us are because God gives rain even to the wicked. We are blessed. But why am I blessed so much? My usual response is because God has a purpose. Because God has a plan. And sometimes somebody would say, how come I have very little or I've lost a lot? And I remember Job. I said, God has a plan. God has a purpose. Maybe God is testing you at this season. And the key is to remain faithful to God because it is He who will bring you through the trial. God has a purpose and God has a plan. But let's not make the mistake because I am so good and so obedient to God. That's why he blessed me so much. I'd like us to have the perspective that it is only by grace we are saved. And it's only by grace that we continue our walk through faith. Because God has a plan. If you think you are blessed today, God has a plan. I cannot explain everything because I do not know God's plan for every person. But if we were to compare, I have seen equally intelligent people with equal opportunities with one more blessed than the other. And the only way to explain it is God has a plan. And it might be different from the other. King David was called to be king. John the Baptist was not. He wore camel skin. And he ate locusts. And I don't know which cave he slept. But that was God's purpose. But sometimes I bargain with God. Lord, I hope your purpose is somewhere where I like. <laughs> but not my will be done, but your will be done. Lord, if you're going to give me a trial, I prefer a trial by abundance. Rather than a trial by need. <laughs> well, I just make my request. But you see... The good Lord in his wisdom made me go through many years of, 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 of trials and of want in making ends meet and still trusting God that one day, Lord, you will bless me in abundance. God is all wise and he knows us better than we know ourselves. And we are where we are because we know that his design is being fulfilled. Our part is to trust God. Trust God with it. Trust God with His design, His purpose, and His will. So, going back to Rebecca, she gave a, she 
spoke the truth, by the way, that indeed she was displeased by, uh, by the daughters of, of Heth that Esau married. She was truly displeased, but she kept one thing that was relevant for a father to know, that your other son wants to kill your other son. And the problem with that is Isaac would not be given the chance to be the father that he should be, to speak to his sons. Because it was kept from him. Well, we know that men, in general, not all, have less need of knowing everything. Correct? Yes, sometimes we just don't want to listen. Right, men? Is that true? Sometimes we don't have to know things. It's, of course, opposite to our wives and the rest of the, of the female species where there's a need to just know every information that they can get, every detail. So oftentimes, the conversation of husband and wife would happen like this. What happened? And the brother would say, we had a wonderful men's meeting, lots of food, and uh, uh, Brother Ed inspired us to be in growth groups, and we had good fellowship. Then the wife would say, and? Uh, that's it. What else happened? Who did you talk to? I don't remember all their names, okay? Maybe after third time, I'll, I'll remember them, but not immediately. Uh, and? What do you mean, and? That's it. The capacity of the male brain is limited in these details. So, uh, that's why it is important. That's why I call the wife or the mother a heart of the family. Because the connection, where she would connect to the children and connect to the father. Of course, the father should directly connect with the children too. But however, because of that, uh, uh, the less of the need to know everything, somehow he skips a lot of things. And Isaac, as we should say, was one of the not good examples of this thing. He did not know his children too much. He did not speak to his children very well. He was less curious of what's happening with them than a man should be. A man should be curious with every member of his family. What are they thinking? What are they feeling? Everything that the woman is naturally capable of, the man should also learn to adjust. Because that's the only time we can become good fathers if we know our children. Otherwise, we will speak in general statements. Magpakabuti kayo, ha? Everything is general. Sometimes we have to be specific as well. But we thank God. God gave us the big picture. That's why we work the field. We can see the whole field. If we work in the forest, we understand the whole forest and we won't get lost there. If God gives us work, we see the work and, it, and its connection to the family. Somehow God has given us that. But husband and wife must be a team. Rebecca hid that part from Isaac. Why don't we read that? Let's go to verse 1 of chapter 28. So Isaac called Jacob and blessed him and charged him and said to him, You shall not take away from the daughters of Canaan. Finally, he said something. You know how old Jacob was? 77. Any 77-year-old here? Brother Tony, or Elder Tony, I think he's in the, one of the satellites we have 
I'm so blessed with them, but he, was, he shared he was 70. Oh, praise God. 70, still serving the Lord, moving around, giving his last years. I'm not saying he's going soon, but <laughs> I'm just saying that the, this part of his life, he's really giving a lot to the Lord, and we praise God for that. But he's 70, and you know, Jacob was still single at 77. But don't fret. They, in those days, like Isaac died at 175, and, and uh, Ishmael died at 137. So uh, somehow, uh, or 180. So uh, I'm sorry. Isaac died at 180, and it was Abraham who missed five years of his life, 175. That was somehow uh, the average. So 77 and not married, fine. Okay, fine. But finally... Finally, this was so different of what Abraham did to Isaac. Abraham was well prepared. He called his servant and said, My son will not marry from among the daughters of this people. Let me just add this, that in the context, these are people who worship other gods. And God hates idolatry. But you shall take somebody from uh, uh, my father's house. You shall go there. So, Clearly, he communicated to his chief servant. And I, of course, we know that Isaac should know that. That a wife was taken there. But now, only right now, at 77, Isaac charges Jacob. Not a wife from here, but from there. Arise, go to Padan Aram, to the house of Bethuel, your mother's father. And from there, take to yourself a wife from the daughters of Laban, your mother's brother. May God Almighty bless you and make you fruitful and multiply that you may become a company of peoples. May he also give you the blessing of Abraham to you and to your descendants with you that you may possess the land of your sojournings which God gave to Abraham. Then Isaac sent Jacob away and he went to Padanaram to Laban, son of Bethuel the Aramean, the brother of Rebekah, the mother of Jacob and Esau. So he was sent. He was sent, less glamorous, unlike before a servant went with 10 camels. Uh, now he had to go because uh, uh, for Rebecca, he had to be protected. Okay? For Isaac, oh, my wife will never stop complaining. Okay? Maybe do what she said and get a, get a wife from, my, uh, from her relatives. I made that up, okay? It's not really in Scripture. I'm insinuate or maybe uh, sort of implied we preachers must be very clear what comes directly from scripture and what our opinion is so that the people may be guided so uh, he was sent now let's go to Esau because uh, Esau or Esau for Filipino it's easier to say Esau right Esau, okay, so you go to Jacob to eat Esau, all right? That's the way to remember the children of Isaac, okay? <laughs> Esau saw that Isaac had blessed Jacob and sent him away to Padan Aram to take to himself a wife from there, and that when he blessed him, he charged him, saying, You shall not take a wife from the daughters of Canaan, and that Jacob had obeyed his father and his mother and had gone to Padan Aram. So Esau saw that the daughters of Canaan displeased his father Isaac. Finally, he observed. Because he's been married for a while. He married in his 40s. 
And the very quiet Isaac never told him that he is displeased by these you married. I told you half of the problem is when men don't speak. They don't speak God's word and they do not guide their families. One problem we will have and we will have a rebellious generation if we do not share God's word to our families. If we do not share what God's will is again and again and again. Unless we are firm. Men should be firm at home, yet at the same time, gentle and loving. Can that go together, firm and gentle? Yes. I don't have to get angry to be firm when I say, this is a decree of your father. I can say that, but I don't have to say, this is the decree of your father. Okay? I don't have to get angry. Okay? I can say, this is my decree as a father. Is that understood? I can be as firm as that without getting angry. Angry is when you lose the top. <laughs> it can damage a human soul. But a father must be firm and must firmly share God's word, yet at the same time love his children, hug his children, appreciate his children, encourage his children at the same time. We must reflect the God we serve. God is all loving, sacrificial. Oh, but he's pretty scary if you read the Bible. <laughs> they must understand that they must fear God. And they learn it first, should be through their father. So Esau saw that the daughters of Canaan displeased his father Isaac finally. And Esau went to Ishmael. Oh, father's side, okay. Jacob, mother's side, still a division in the family. The father's side and went to Ishmael and married besides the wives that he had, Mahalat. She's been waiting for a long time, Mahalat, okay? Uh, <laughs> so, uh, to those watching by video, it's a Bicolano thing, okay? <laughs> so... Mahalat, the daughter of Ishmael, Abraham's son, the sister of Nebaioth. Okay, well, the problem is uh, Ishmael, who had a mother, uh, Hagar, who's from Egypt, and Egypt, we know, worshipped other gods too. So he wanted, I believe, he wanted to please his father by not marrying any of the Canaanites. However, he still ended up in the wrong place. Why? Because they don't talk. Maybe it's hard to approach daddy because daddy doesn't talk much. You know, dads, sometimes it's all right to give space to our children. So when we say to our wives, don't be so concerned, give him some space. We say that. And I believe in you. At times, we must give some space. But at times, we have to be clear where the boundaries are. Because once you do not cl clarify the boundaries, that is a problem. Remember that God who created the earth was a God who put boundaries in place. If there were no boundaries, then the sea and the land would intersect. And what would happen if there are no boundaries? We will all be flooded. God is a God of boundaries. There's night and there was day. He is a God of boundaries, and parents must clearly show where the boundaries are. 
then you'll be surprised. Why did they do this? Why did they do that? Because we never talked to them. We never tried to listen so that we know what's happening to them, and we never tried to share what we see in Scripture. That's why I love it when some fathers tell me that after sometimes a sermon every now and then they would gather and talk about the message so that they can reinforce what was discussed and just say, what's your perspective or how do you think you can apply this in your life? And that's a wonderful step because the real deal is when we ground them in the truth. In the truth. Because they're not with us forever. But where will their anchor be? My hope their anchor would be on the Word of God. But if they don't have any anchor, what will the anchor be? There is no anchor. If there is no anchor, they will, be, they will drift at sea, tossed about by every wind of doctrine. Recently, a sister sent me a message. And uh, it's something I saw online where this popular guy named Bo Sanchez was speaking something, but uh, it's hard to be fair because I did not see the whole context of what he was, he was preaching, but a segment of what he was preaching. So if, if that segment is, is he believes in it with all his heart, then he is wrong biblically. That is a false teaching. However, but if in the context he says, some, some of us think this way, and some of us think this way, and within that context, I believe he cannot be charged as false. But let me just say, to clarify, because it was only a segment that was shown uh, in Facebook that's spreading like viral, some concerned Christians, and it is true that let me just say, uh, there was a phrase, if taken out of context, uh, would we really charge him as a false teacher. What's a false teacher? Somebody who teaches something false that is not biblical, that is anti-biblical. But somebody who te teaches the truth is a preacher of God's word. That's why our challenge to everyone here is to carefully study God's word in its context that we may not be mistaken because there is judgment and how dangerous it is when we teach something that is false. What was the statement? We become like the God we worship. No, actually, I wrote it down on my phone. So let me just share. We become the God we worship, says Bo Sanchez. The opposite is also true. We also build the God we worship. The God we worship, where does it come from? The word it. It also comes from us. We also build the God that we worship. God made us in His image. The inverse is also true. We make God out of our image. Mm. You are God, part of God. Again, I have clarified my statement. I'm not saying he is a false teacher until I have seen the full context. But since this is viral, if this is taken in its true context, that he is actually saying what he is saying, then it is false teaching. But if it is within the context that he is saying, this is how some of us think, which is wrong, then that is, I can forgive that. The reason why God is cruel is because we are cruel. 
We project to God our weaknesses. The reason he is judgmental, the reason he is rude, is because we are. Then at the end, he said something correct at the end. Sometimes we do not see the way God is. We see him the way we are. That's probably true with some people. Fathers, we must learn the scriptures and share the scriptures. Is that a challenge? Yes. How do you begin? You begin by reading. Chapter by chapter, studying the context. You see, we had to go uh, study hard to pass school. Oh, yeah. How many students here say amen? amen? I know the suffering you go through. I'm a student too. Ah, especially when they pile up and sometimes we think this way. Oh, this teacher of mine, he or she thinks uh, her subject is the only subject on earth and gives us so much requirements. But sometimes they are forgiving too. But the professor is there to stretch us to our limits. We have to study to pass. Now, let me say to you this. The real graduation is not this earthly graduation in, in, in human institutions like the university. The real graduation of life is when we face God and we are judged according to what we have done. Have we studied and have we passed the test? No, salvation is free to everyone, but the rewards are not. The rewards are not equal. Only salvation is equal. That God chooses no man, rich or poor, old or young, whatever race you are, you can come to Christ. And he will in no way cast you out. Salvation is free by grace. However, however, the rewards are not equal. According to you have, what you have done, so shall you be rewarded. That's why when we go to that graduation, some of us will be called... Cum laude, spiritually speaking, in the eternal graduation. Summa cum laude, magna cum laude, and, or just your name. <laughs> well, at least you're in heaven, right? <laughs> well, that's what I say to others, at least you're in heaven. Uh, but what do you want? Here we encourage our children to be excellent. But do we encourage our children to be excellent when it, so that they are prepared in the eternal judgment, the real graduation day? Friends, the way I am, why I speak to you the way I do, whether in private or public, is because what? I am your professor here. I'm the pastor to teach you. I'm in charge of that. So when I'm there and I see you have honors, you know how a professor feels. It's my student, huh? my student. But how sad it would be for one of the pastors to be there and there are no, no rewards for his flock. This is just my imagination, okay? I'm not saying this will happen. I'm just giving you an illustration how important it should be that our children would walk the walk. The walk that God wants us to do. The baby agrees with me, did you hear? So, uh, next please. Then Jacob departed from Beersheba and went toward Haran. 
He came to a certain place and spent the night there because the sun had set and he took one of the stones of the place and put it under his head and laid down in that place. You see, he did not even bring a pillow, right? He got a stone as a pillow. It's a total contrast of Abraham giving importance to his son and uh, sending a servant with 10 Mercedes-Benzes. The Mercedes-Benz then were the camels, okay? Uh, no Mercedes-Benz there, but you see 10 camels all lined up Wow, who's this? And uh, the bubbly Rebecca. Oh, somebody's in town. I have to be part of that. Who are you? Oh, let me help you in every camel you have. So he went there down to a place, verse 12. And he had a dream. And behold, a ladder was set on the, on the earth with its top reaching to heaven. And behold, the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. Some use a parallel John 1.51 as Christ about uh, ascending and descending heaven. And verse 13, And behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord, the God of your father Abraham, the God of Isaac. The land on which you lie, I will give it to you and to your descendants. The promise has been confirmed. Again and again, God spoke to Abraham, God spoke to Isaac, now he's speaking to Jacob. Your descendants will also be like the dust of the earth and you will spread out to the west and to the east and the north and to the south. And in you, same responsibility. And in you and in your descendants shall be all the families of the earth shall be blessed. The earth be blessed in you and your descendants. And we know that is happening right now through Christ. In the context, all ethne, every language must be reached out. So let me just share it to you in, in, in a missions course, or missiologists came up with terms so it's easy for them to qualify. There's something they call M1, M2, and M3. Okay, M1 missions is reaching out to your same language. You see, the Bicolanos reaching Bicolanos, it's our same language. I was talking to a linguist, he's Jewish, and he said, you know, he's been living in the Philippines, he said, you know, you got it all wrong. Uh, Cebuano is not a dialect. Bicolano is not a dialect. Rinconada is not a dialect. It is another language because it has this different structure and grammar. That's why it's different. Of course, because we were a nation before Spain of many tribes and languages, right? Many tribes and languages. That's M1. Reaching your own. The Tagalogs reaching the Tagalogs, that's M1. The Cebuanos reaching Cebuanos, that's M1. M2 is you reaching out cross-culturally, but they're already reached. Okay, uh, We go to the Aitas and say we're doing missions. But the Aitas have a church, even have a pastor and elders. They're already a rich community with a viable witness. If we go there and bless them, that's M2. We help them reach out their own, that's M2. M3 is cross-culturally to people groups and tribes and languages with no witness of scripture. No witness. Christ is not named yet. Or if ever he's, not, he's already named, it's not a viable witness. There are still around 11, 11 groups in the Philippines. Muslims, all of them. Except the Bajaos, who claim to be Muslims, but there is now a viable church with Bajau pastors, and they share the gospel to their own. There are still 11 left. In China, there's 1,000, 1,000 unreached people groups or tribes with different languages. And what? Uh, well, one tribe at least, 70 million Christians, the Han Chinese, which is almost like the population of the Philippines. 
M3. So uh, we are somewhere between M1 and M2. We are grade 1 and grade 2, okay? But one day we'll do M3, right? I'll send you somewhere where you will be underground. And this is happening because there are still 8,000 unreached people groups around the world, but 24,000 globally, 8,000 still left unreached. And uh, God confirmed that, that all the families of the earth shall be blessed through them. And why am I saying this? Because in Christ, this will be fulfilled. Go make disciples of all ethne, all language and culture, every family. Go and make disciples. The fulfillment of the Abrahamic promise is fulfilled in Christ through the church of Jesus Christ. When I say church, it's not a building by people who believe. And we know in Revelations, it shall be a success. Why? Every tongue and tribe and nation was worshiping God. The mission was a success. That's the large view. I have to give you the large view so that we don't lose the context. Verse 15, Behold, I am with you and will keep you wherever you go and will bring you back to the land for I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised you. Wow. God took care of Abraham. And with his promise, he took care of Isaac. God took care of Abraham. God took care of Isaac. And now he has promised Jacob directly that I will take care of you. I will keep you. I will take care of you. Jacob awoke from his sleep and said, Surely the Lord is in this place, and I did not know it. He was afraid and said, How awesome is this place! This is none other than the house of God, and this is the gate of heaven. Because he had a dream of a stairway up and down. That's why the title of this sermon is, Not the song. Some said the song, uh, you know, the lyrics may not be that good, uh, but it's still a hit. Uh, this is none other than the house of God, and this is the gate of heaven. So he, Jacob arose early in the morning and took the stone that he had put under his head and set it up as a pillar and poured oil on its top. He called the name of that place Bethel. However, previously the name of the city had been Luz. Then Jacob uh, made a vow saying, if God will be with me, God already said I will be with you. you now this guy doesn't know how to pray. Forgive me, Jacob, okay? I know you might hit me when I see, we see each other, but the God of love will fill our hearts and we no longer want to hit each other. Uh, but God already said I will be with you. Then he says, if God will be with me and will keep me on this journey that I take and will give me food to eat and garments to wear. Sounds like a lot of Christians I know. I said, you're not reading your Bible. You're not listening to my messages. I said, God will provide. You give to God. God takes care of you. You have faith in God. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things shall be added unto you. Then you say, Lord, if you will bless me. What? You are blessed. You're here. You've got nice, beautiful faces that you saw in the mirror. You were blessed by a mirror. <laughs> you have clothes to wear. Some of you even have nicer clothes. You are blessed. A lot of you had breakfast. Did you have breakfast? You are blessed. Don't tell me you're not. If you will be with me. Maybe he's speaking out of his desperation because, you know, maybe he heard the story of how, how the servant of Abraham went to the house of Rebekah and now he's going to get a wife with nothing. Just walking, hoping to survive the journey. 
Wow, it's hard, right? Sometimes when you're kan ka na and you have nothing to offer, yeah, it feels so bad. Or, 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 or there this yeah, God speaking to you about this pretty woman and saying, uh, the, the Holy Spirit dealing with you, approach her, talk to her. She is your future wife, and you don't say, Kakahiya, Lord. No, masyado siyang matalino. Takamayaman pa siya. Then all the brothers said, Amen. Go for it, brother. <laughs> okay. Then he's hoping that God would give him something to wear and something to eat. Far cry, Isaac, where are you, Isaac? How could you send your son with nothing unless you're training him to be someone? And I return to my father's house in safety, then the Lord will be my God in safety so that Esau will not kill me. Back of his head. Brother wants to kill me, okay? Big, hairy hunter brother wants to kill me, okay? Not just any brother, big, hairy hunter, okay? Understand that, okay? And he, he's not trained in martial arts. He was in the tent. He likes cooking with his mother. So what will he do? Well, he has the sandok and the kitchen knife, right? So go ahead and try, okay? Uh, We were saying to Brother Boyet, you know, he, he's in a cruise ship and he's a chef there. I said, does, does anybody bully you there? <laughs> he's, he laughed and said, they can try. <laughs> yeah, you never bully a chef because they might poison you. And he has a long knife, right? <laughs> so you never bully a chef. Okay? Uh, this stone which I have set up as a pillar will be God's house. And all of all that you give me, I will surely give a tenth to you. And he ends with that. I said, if you are... And then he learned this from Abraham. Abraham gave a tenth to Melchizedek, okay, a servant of the Most High God, uh, whom he met. And Abraham gave a tenth of what he owned. And, and Jacob here is saying, and I'll give a tenth to you. And it, it's good practice that as God blesses us, that we also give back. Even though I say in the Old Testament, that is a practice. In the New Testament, they did not say that is law for us. However, it's more clear for us, you know. What's clear for us is this. The thing clear in New Testament about giving, if we sow a little, mean we give a little, we harvest a little. It's very simple. If I plant a few, just a little, uh, one hectare of palai, what do I expect to harvest? Perhaps one hectare of palai. If I plant three hectares, then I expect to harvest three hectares. And if we want to be blessed by God, uh, that is clear. If we sow, we shall reap and I do believe in sowing in God's kingdom in these days where do you give it I don't know where he gave it by the way maybe he gave it to people in need maybe he gave it he saved it for the future family that we will he will have uh, we don't know clearly but he made a commitment maybe he looked for Melchizedek but it was not written anymore but in the New Testament where do we give we give to the work of God we give here for example well it, it takes giving to make this this building work. We need to change. You know, the, the music ministers approach the elders and we need new speakers. Yeah, of course we do. Because they said, our previous speakers has been there since the church began. What, 14 years? Amazing maintenance. I applaud you. <laughs> but they were complaining already. It's not giving out good sound. Okay. Then the elders would budget for that. But that's only possible if we give. Then right now, I'm the one complaining. It's getting hot here. So we need to change the air conditioning. That's only possible if we all give. 
right? You like this cool place? Comfortable, right? Right? Well, if you don't want, sure. I'll put a video downstairs with no air conditioning, okay? To those who don't give, just go this way, okay? <laughs> uh, we all, you also give and so we can bless the less fortunate brothers and sisters in, in the communities of, of the, in our outreaches. Money goes there. Then you have to ask, Lord, do you want me to give? For crying out loud, the Lord said give. Okay? You're not giving it to me. But if you do, I won't reject it either. Why? There are two ways to give. The man of God and the work of God. You hear me? In all of scripture, study how would the giving work. The men of God were given. And even me and my wife, that's why we give to men of God. We, we have to give to the, to the local church we belong to, but we give directly to the men of God. Because I believe we are instruments that God can use. And it's up to God to bless us when He wants to bless us. And how He wants to bless us. The important thing is we are a channel of blessing. And I'd like to close. We must share God's Word, our application, to our family members. Father, speak to your children. Speak to your children. Be curious and interested. I know it's harder for us, but invite them and say, let's talk. Let's have coffee. What's going on with you? Be interested. Uh, create ways to get together. You don't have to try too hard. Just find little ways. I knew I had to connect with my children at a, when they were still young. So I had to create these stuff that can bring them memories like oh, we bought Lego and we had to do it together. One time we actually bought a castle. Uh, made of, uh, of, of concrete paste and, uh, and, and something. That we had to mix the cement and create bricks. And create bricks and we had to do it together. Uh, as a family, it became a family project. Sometimes we'll buy a puzzle of a thousand pieces and just put it together every now and then. And uh, they like games. Oh my. So I, I learned games. And I'm proud to say, I'm not saying this is biblical, but until today, none of them can beat me in basketball. PlayStation, though, in Xbox. <laughs> not in real basketball. They'll probably run rings around me. Uh, but in the PlayStation. Ah, even their cousins have tried. They all lost. To a point that they tried to make it another game in which I cannot compete. Uh, do I limit games? Of course I limit games. But is it important to connect with them? Yes. Because from man to man, it's harder to speak to one another. We have no need. God has created us in such a way that we can be silent and think more and focus more on the big picture. So engaging our sons and our sons engaging us is a big effort. Unlike daughter and mother, they may fight, but they talk. In fact, for the men of the family, they talk too much. It's, I'm very tired. I'm low energy by just listening. But it's not a problem for them. You know, this became such a problem in Israel that in the book of Malachi, in the book of Malachi, one pastor said in the book of Malachi, okay, I said, who's Malachi? Huh? <laughs> in the book of Malachi, uh, okay, okay, uh, I think it's Malachi. But if you like Malachi, uh, In the book of Malachi, or Malachi, uh, there was a statement there, and I will turn 
the hearts of the fathers to the child to the sons and the sons to the fathers lest there be a curse in the land fathers we must connect sometimes it's awkward because it's not normal for us it takes effort speaking to my daughter it's natural what's up sweetheart and she tells me the story uh, i ask my son oh how's the day great and that's it <laughs> Okay, so you know, you know the effort I have to take? Uh, okay, so that's why when someone asks me, how's your day? I try to add a little more story. I had to forcefully remember what happened during the day. Oh, 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 and this happened and that happened. Not normal for us, but you see, it is God's will that we connect. We must share God's word and we must build that relationship with them. Do not ignore them. Do not just go home and say, they're okay, I provide no, that is not enough. We must share God's word to our family members. The younger generation needs guidance. But some fathers said, how can I talk to them about what they should follow? I was a terrible teenager. I said, that's fine. Then share your mistakes. Admit it. Let them peek into your life and share to them where the boundaries should have been. Open it. And then they would say, oh, my father's crazy after all. And I said, that's where I get my craziness. <laughs> but he never shared. The younger generation needs guidance. Also from all of here, not maybe children, but the younger Christian generation needs guidance. From, from us to, to the 30s, to the 30s, to the 20s, to the 20s, to the teenager. Every level must be an example to the next. Do not assume God's will. Seek it through prayer and through His word. And please, stop scheming. Have truths. Learn to share to one another the truth. But time it well. Time it well. Yes, you know, uh, wives would say, I don't talk to my husband that way because when I tell him a problem, he flares up. I say, time it well. And this is what I appreciate about my wife. When I come home, she observes me first, whether I'm hungry, I'm tired, or what. Or if work was, was tiring and depressing sometimes, of course, I do not, do not want to be depressed, but sometimes it is very tedious. Uh, then she times it well when there's a problem in the family, and then she waits. Then she waits till tomorrow after I have slept. I have eaten, I have slept. Then she said, can I share to you something? I said, is that a problem? Uh, yes, it is. How big? Scale it, 1 to 10. If it's a big problem, I need to <clears throat> prepare, clear my mind. Why? Because if I don't prepare, I listen halfway, only half. Okay, because I have other concerns. Okay, men feel like the problems of the world, which is actually their family only, is upon them. <laughs> they think the problem of the family is like the problem of the world. We feel that way sometimes. So uh, she times it well, and I appreciate that. Uh, but then when I come home in a good mood, seem to be happy, and she says, oh, there's an issue, there's a problem. When may I speak to you? When I feel I'm ready then, and I said, well, well right now, let me just finish this, and, and let's have coffee, and, uh, and let me, so I can give my undivided attention. So time it well. It's not that normal. For women, hey, do you know there's a problem? Really? What's the problem? It's so natural, okay? You have to understand the difference of how God created us. And of course, we must understand how God created you and adjust to that. So uh, then we have to trust God 
will reveal himself to us in many ways, especially through his word. God has a plan for our families, but let's do it well. You see, God's plan will happen. He's a sovereign God. But I hope our families don't have to be like this, right? There's a division. Will God's plan happen? Yes. But there's a choice between having harmony and no harmony. And the plan of God still succeeds. And friends, there's nobody perfect. Amen? Ah, please stop it. Even stop your daydreaming and saying, if I only had a better husband. I tell you, if you get married to somebody else, there's still going to be problems because no man is perfect. And you have to understand how God created you to watch the detail. And sometimes one detail can disappoint you. Nine out of ten, he's an amazing guy. One out of ten, he's not. You focus on the one, right? Oh, yung husband ko, hindi ako binibigan flowers. <laughs> but everything else is fine. Sometimes, because God created you that way to see every detail. And we appreciate that you just have to discipline the mind and your words and how to do it. In the same way, husbands, we have to appreciate a wife who tells stories. We need to know what's happening. So what do you do? Discipline yourself. Learn. Stretch your brain. That part of the brain. That part of the brain that is ready to listen. And then you can discuss. Can we have one hour breaks? Because when Pastor Ed, when she starts, she doesn't stop. Uh, you can discuss that. So that God's will will be fulfilled in our families in harmonious manner. Let us all rise and let us pray. Father in heaven, you are great and you are good. And we thank you for your purpose and your will that we have seen on scripture. Your promises will happen. We will reach the nations of the world. We will reach every ethne. But Lord, our prayers make us a part of it even through prayer or giving, and some of us preparing to go to the unreached areas and unreached peoples, languages. Some may be in our city. Some may be outside our city. Some may be in, in different far places, yet our prayer is guide and lead us. And we also pray for the lessons we learn in this family that uh, make our families good, harmonious, teach us men to communicate well, and teach the wives, Lord, I pray, to submit and to share at the right time in the right way. That everything may be received in harmony. And everything may be said in the spirit of harmony. Thank you, Lord. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done upon your people. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of the Father, and the fellowship of his spirit be with you all. And God's people say, Amen. Palakpakan natin ang Panginoon.